Glory to God. God is good. Amen. So good to see you all tonight. <clears throat> Winding down here for the last uh, last few of the Tuesday night services. Glory to God. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. We're, we're you know we're getting into the press now, and the next the ne the next month at least for us looks quite busy. Hallelujah. But uh, we're all looking forward to uh, looking always looking forward to what God uh, is doing in our midst. Amen. You know, today I decided to go for, after I had prepared and I had done some praying, I decided to go for a ride. I figured it was a nice day. Might as well go for a ride and pray. And, and I also wanted to uh, scope out kind of the area. You know, I wanted to scope out some of the areas that, that uh, God has called us to. You know, uh, God, when he uh, you know, brought the Israelites into the, um, into the promised land before they went in, he brought them to the promised land and he said, go look at it and see, you know, explore the land basically. And so I was doing just the same. I was just kind of looking around and of course I didn't get into even uh, 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 just a little portion of the area that we uh, have potential to affect. You know, and I just, uh, as, as I was going, uh, the, one of the things that just kept uh, just kept stirring in my heart was this need, this need for uh, other areas. You know, when you I go into these little towns and drive through these towns, and and I'm just seeing areas that uh, you know that they don't get the teaching that we get. They don't have the blessings in that way that we do. And 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 just my heart's desire. I was like, I was telling my wife when she got home. I don't think she was extremely excited about it. But I said we could start in our church on Monday night, couldn't we? Glory to God. We could go to another town. She's like, well, you might be able to. She said. Well, she said. You going to do it by yourself <laughs> amen not meaning that she wouldn't of course if it was God's plan she would do anything but you know there there is a, a limit to the amount that we can do amen I've tried to figure out how many times we can split a Sunday into two two different uh, work days but it just just hasn't uh, just haven't been able to do that yet praise the Lord but as we go forward as we keep pressing into the things of God he surely will make the paths clear for us he'll show us what we have to do uh, and he'll open the doors that we need to uh, that we that we need to open so we can walk through them amen and I'm excited for it I'm excited for what God has for us you know uh, I keep finding this more and more so as we you know as we do this thing that uh, that, that that rarely do things just open does the path just open completely before us uh, but it comes in stages amen it comes as we walk it out you know I've said this so many times that the you know the Lord gave me revelation that the you know in the, these biblical times that we read about that these people were just living everyday life just like you and I are amen and so as they were going through their life, you know, this is the record of those, those particular lives and just little aspects, really, of, those, of each particular life. And, you know, um, and, and it's pretty amazing to see that, but we have to understand that God's doing that same thing through us and in us, amen? That every single day for us is a biblical day. Every day for us is a day that could be written in Scripture. Every day for us is a day where God wants to move and God wants to do things. And, you know, there's ups and downs. There's times where we don't feel like it. There's times Times where we're tired and all those things you can find in the Bible as well you can find times where people were depressed you can find times where where people just they they had no strength left in themselves you could find times where people were pressed so hard that they didn't think that they could possibly go one more day and yet somehow they managed somehow they did and you know we see that a lot uh, through through living in faith of course uh, you know, living in faith is the thing that will keep us going, that will keep us uh, stirred, will keep us, keep feeding us, amen, even when we feel like there's no more feeding. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Even when we feel like we're at our last meal, even when we feel we've used the last ounce of strength, you know, uh, the faith will keep feeding us, amen, and we get that through the word. Today, tonight's message is called Disciples in the World. And, and I, I'm going to be talking about discipleship a little bit tonight, uh, discipleship and really what it is. Uh, but we're going to get into what really what we should see in it. Amen. You know, as we are, we should be as we're Christians. And I look around here and I think everybody is born again, as far as I can tell. And, uh, you know, Christians are, are, are called to be disciples of Christ. Amen. And a disciple is literally just a student. That's literally what it means. But, you know, Jesus, of course, we've read the scripture often lately and over there in Matthew 11, uh, you know, around verse 28 and 29, 30, I think, or somewhere in there uh, where Jesus said, uh, you know, uh, uh, take uh, my yoke upon you, learn from me. Amen. 
uh, because he is lowly in heart. His, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. And we understand, but the important thing is to understand that, that Jesus calls us to learn from him. Amen. Learning from him. In other words, doing the things that he did. Amen. Doing things the way that he did them. And that's really what a disciple does. You know, when we read John 8, 31, 32, before all of our service or before all our Sunday services and all our quarry services, Saturday services, we read those. Those really are the same thing. It's, it's talking about being disciples. You'll be my disciples, right? Amen. And, and th so this idea is something that shouldn't be lost on us. It's something that we should all understand. In fact, it's something we should not just understand, but it's something that we should embrace. We should realize that as we hear the word, we're hearing our instructions for the things that God would have for us to do. And uh, he will feed us, he will direct us, he will guide us as we go. And I'm excited uh, to get to Sunday's message because Sunday's message, unless the Lord changes it, is going to be about being an effective Christian. Amen. But uh, being a disciple is a good place to start with being an effective Christian. Amen. Uh, and, and the Lord would say, it was funny because as I was starting my drive, I, I was going and I got to about Sherman area. And uh, I, I got down past Dwayne's house, praise the Lord, and I was driving and I was going to turn on this other road and, and pretty soon I had to pull over. Actually, I didn't even make it to that other road. I was on Dwayne's road and I had to pull over and, and take some notes down, amen. And then I drove a little bit further and I had to pull over and take some more notes down. And so, so you'd be happy to know I wasn't taking notes while I was driving, amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord, but but glory to God. Um, uh, there, there's a lot in this for us. So let's go ahead and turn to Matthew 5.13. And this is where we're going to kick this off tonight. You know, and, and, and in some respects, what I'm, what I'm talking about tonight is real basic Christianity. But in other respects, it's things that we, we do need to be reminded of often. Amen? Praise the Lord. Um, and actually, in my Bible anyways, this is exactly where I got the title of the message. Uh, right here at the beginning of uh, this, this section of scriptures, it says disciples in the world. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so we see here in Matthew 5, 13, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if, if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Amen. Now, of course, it's talking about, uh, you know, the salt, uh, you, you know, we, we, we talk so much in Christian circles about being the salt and the light. But what does that really mean? You know, uh, th 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 this scripture is really pointing, of course, it goes on to talk about light here as well, if we would continue to read. But we understand here that, that, that this, is, this, is, this flavor is not for us. The flavor that, that, that God has made us, that the Word makes us, this flavor is meant for the world. And I don't know about you, and some people might not like salt. You'd be a real goofy person if you didn't, but I love salt, amen? One of the things I love to do is I love to sprinkle salt on just about anything, and I even like, I even like salt with my chocolate now. I found that sea salt and caramel and chocolate go really well together, amen? Uh, some other people have discovered that too, and, and, and praise the Lord for it. But uh, salt, uh, you know, it, it, gives us that, it gives us that pop of flavor, right? I mean, you could take anything, even the most, uh, you, you could take any steak, you could take anything and just add a little bit of salt to it, and it completely changes it, enhances it, amen? Yeah. But that's exactly what we are supposed to be to the world. We are salt of the earth. Now, when it means that we're salt of the earth, it doesn't mean to the world itself, but it means to the people of the earth. Amen? But notice it says here that if the salt becomes tasteless, how can it be made salty again? And I think, you know, really this, the, the scriptures are really, um, the, the, these are direction for us. The scripture is really pointing to the, 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 the point, the idea that, that we have to maintain our flavor. Amen. That we have to, you know, there's many things that will come against us in life. There's many things that will oppose us. There's many things that will try to rob us of what God has, has, has given us. But the reason that those things are trying to rob us from those things is not because Satan really cares one way or the other whether you prosper it doesn't mean anything to him but what he cares about is keeping you out of heaven and keeping others out of heaven now and I should say that his focus more so even if he looks at Christians his job isn't he's not trying to get people unsaved necessarily that may be a tactic if he feels he has a door to do so that he certainly would but wait, there, there's a kind of a, a twofold purpose in what the devil is doing. Number one, he's trying to keep other people from being saved. But there's a reason for that. 
You know, a lot of people don't understand, but the, 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 the devil and his demons have a purpose in what they do. And one of the reasons that they, that they want to do this is they feel that if they can prolong the, uh, the, the advancement of the, the faith, that they can prolong their time from going to hell. And that's ultimately what their destiny is. They're trying to avoid hell. They're trying to avoid eternal damnation. And we're not saying this to, to, to say, oh, well, they have a purpose in what they do, so maybe we shouldn't be so hard on them. No, because they're deserving of that place as well. Amen? And certainly all the horrible things that happen in the world, and they, they don't care whether it kills a baby, they don't care whether it, it mangles somebody, they don't care what it does, they just want their, their own at all costs. But you know so much so that you, you actually, uh, you see this influence in the world. You know, this, this really is what sin is. Sin is the manifestation of these thoughts or this way of thinking, this kind of ideas, not caring about anything else, but thinking about your own preservation or your own desires. And so it's no wonder that, that, that what gets stirred in humanity to cause them to sin is the, op, the very opposition, the very thing that has caused the devil and his demons to go to hell. Now, uh, they're, they're trying to stir this up. They're trying to keep us from spreading the gospel because God is, going, is waiting for the fullness of the harvest before Jesus comes back. Amen? And, but, but we have to understand that the tastelessness is on our end. And so Christians, so often, they, they enter into this place of this realm of being tasteless to the world, and they're not realizing that they're, what they're doing, in essence, is they're aiding the devil in his plan. And, and the Lord said here, he said, it's no longer good at that point for anything except to be thrown, thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. I am convinced that this is why so many Christians really find uh, uh, this, this place of just being trampled in life. Now, I'm not saying if you're going through opposition that, that, that that's because you're, you're tasteless. Amen. I'm not saying if you're going through opposition or if you're seeing even very hard things happen in your life, that it's just because you're not a very good Christian. But uh, the continuation of that or the destruction, the ultimate destruction in that could be because of that. And see, this is where the devil is real tricky and tries to slip us on over into that. There's so many who have been made, uh, made salt have been become tasteless. And because of that, they're being trampled. And they're not being trampled because the Lord wants them to be. They're, they're being trampled because, uh, because that's what they've entered into. They've entered into that tasteless. So they're, being, they're being useless for the world. Amen? The point that I'm bringing up here, and this is really what I want to bring us to, is this. That until we see the need to stand, the world continues to lose. Until we see the need to stand, the world continues to lose. It might not be us who lose or really lose all because ultimately, you know, we're going to go to heaven if we're saved, if we've received Jesus. Ultimately, that's our destiny. So we can, and I've seen this a lot, I've seen a lot of Christians in the world be completely ineffective. I've seen them live lives that aren't much different than, uh, than, than, than just the life of anyone that lives in the world. They embrace the same things in the world. They run with the world. They want to do all the things the world does. And as a result, it's the world that loses out on it. Yeah. You know, and this is exactly what God has called us to. He said, Jesus said, go into all the world. Again, I've talked so many times that going into all the world doesn't mean that you specifically have to go, that you have to do it. But you will do it by according to how you affect the world, because maybe the person that you affect will be somebody who will. Yeah. Or maybe the thing that you're caused to affect will be the thing that causes the effect that goes into the world. Right. There's many ways of going into the world, but we don't want to lose our, we definitely don't want to lose our effectiveness. We don't want to lose our flavor. If we would consider these things, we would consider how we speak. We would consider how we act. We would consider what it is we do out there as we, as, as we live in this world. Really, as we go out from this place. Amen? There was a minister named Alexander McLaren about a century ago, and he said, If a man considers himself to be an iron pillar, he is of no use to God. God works through broken reeds. God word, works through broken reeds. Now, 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 this isn't scripture, but I do believe it lines up with scripture. And I really see this kind of twofold. Number one, God will uh, uh, work in, uh, 
a, a broken reed, somebody who isn't much good for anything as far as the world's concerned. God, God loves to use people like that. I, I, I've given, I said this so many times, but that's my testimony that I was a broken person. I was a person who wasn't able, wasn't fit, wasn't usable, but God used that continually because he works through broken reeds. But, but, but another way that we can see this is, is the idea of being uh, an iron pillar unto themselves. People who are so confident in themselves and what they do, they're so full of themselves, so to speak, they, they're also useless to God. And you might think, well, what kind of person is that? All these people that are, are self-sufficient. They don't need anything. They have, no uh, 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 they have no recognition in them that they need a Lord, that they need God. That they, and, and, and you do see this in the church. You see con uh, Christians all the time that are overconfident in themselves. Yeah. They're overconfident in their abilities. They're overconfident in, in whatever it is that they think that they are. And so they don't see the need to be the, uh, to, to be the salt to the earth. They're not broken before the Lord. You know, we, uh, you know, I don't know a lot about horses, but I know one thing they do have this thing they call breaking a horse, right? Am I right in that? They, that's a thing that they break a horse, and what they have to do is they have to make that horse learn how to submit. Yeah. Well, really, we see that a lot in the church. We see so many people so many times, and I'm not saying necessarily this church. Occasionally, there's those that come in, though, and one of the problems they have is with this idea of submitting, this, this idea of becoming broken for the Lord. This idea of being broken to the place where, 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 where it's, it, you don't need your way anymore. You don't need your plan. You don't need your purpose. You desire his. See, Christians who don't see this are Christians who are tasteless. But going forward, um, we have to understand that sometimes there's processes of breaking too. Sometimes as we're going through life, we're being broken. There's things that are being broken off of us. Sometimes there's trials that come against us to, to, to wear that down a little bit. Amen? Maybe we're, we're puffed up in our spiritual pride. Maybe we're at a place where we think we are so able. You know, one of the things that I've had to learn as a Christian, as a pastor, as a man of God, one of the things I've learned over and over is God will allow me to be brought to a place where the only answer is Him. The only way out of it is Him. And I don't like those places any more than you do. When I'm in those places, I, 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 I feel exhausted. When I'm in those places, I feel uh, nervous. When I'm in those places, sometimes I feel, uh, you, you know, uh, scared. I feel like weeping. I feel like there's all kinds of emotions that get stirred up in those places. But what I've been learning more and more is that when I'm in those places, I'm also learning how to trust in the Lord. When I'm in that place where I'm not able, I'm learning how to trust in God. And that's not a bad place to be, especially if you embrace that. What I found is I go through the, my periods of time where I'll have my breakdown, while I have my, my weeping session, while I have my, 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 my give in to my, in, uh, my, my insecurities and my, uh, I give in to my, in, into my weakness, so to speak. And in those places, God always reminds me of the same thing, that he wants to take me now into something else. That I'm finally at a place where I can hear from him, where I'm finally at a place where I, I'm not so dependent on, 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 on the, my finances or my ability or my, my, my direction that, that, that I can finally yield to what he wants to do. Folks, sometimes we need to be broken and sometimes this world needs to be broken. We live in a world actually right now where that's exactly what's happening. In our nation, what you're seeing, you're seeing a lot of opposition and it affects all of us, right? You're seeing opposition, praise the Lord, you're seeing opposition at the gas pump, right, brother? <laughs> Glory to God. Has anybody been there lately? It seems like, you know, it's like there used to be a day when you'd say, ah, maybe I'll wait, I got enough gas, maybe I'll wait till tomorrow. But now you know you might not be able to afford it tomorrow because, because it's jumping almost daily and stuff like that. But how many know that there's other things that are like that too? If you've, if you've wanted to build anything and you go to the lumber yard, you're going to see that things are sometimes quadruple or more uh, than the, what they were before. And you think, oh, dear Lord, how are we going to do this? 
And then you see opposition in the world. We see people uh, doing horrific things like shooting up schools and, and killing people and just attacking one another and all these awful things. And, and I know the press, I've got, I, you know, I had several uh, even conversations uh, right after the last one, you know, people that just were feeling it. And, and I said to them, I know what you're, I know, I'm feeling it too, you know. My wife works in a school. And of course, that's a thought that's always at the fore, forefront of our minds, you know, because uh, nobody ever goes, and I always think about that, whenever somebody's gotten into a, a, a whole lot of trouble, they've never gone into the day thinking that that's what was going to happen, or surely they would have avoided it. You know, but this, this world is being broken. And what I'm talking about is not because God is ordaining all these things, that God is being okay with all these things. But God does want to, the, the abundance of people to come into the church. He wants to be, bring people to him. Amen. Amen. And uh, when people get to a place where they refuse God and they refuse God and they refuse God and they're relying, you know, I saw this really, I, I'll just be honest with you, I saw this really in the last election. Regardless of what you think about it, there was a lot of things that were going better for us. There was a lot of things that went better for the church. There was a lot of things financially that were better in our lives. Our, 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 you know, a lot of doors were open to us. And I'm not trying to be political. I'm just saying that's the way that it was. But how many know that that wasn't going to go unattacked? Because, the, uh, you know, in, in some of that, I, I think, was allowed by God. And I'll tell you exactly why. Because there's an awful lot of people, and especially the people in the church, that made a certain man their God. They made a certain man their Savior. They made a certain man the one that, 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 that was everything to them, was the reason for the better. And they, they completely bypassed the fact that God was sending us reprieve. That God doesn't change. That God's the one who changes things. That God's the one who allows things, uh, allows the powers to be. Now we have voting, you know, and there's all that, that those kinds of things. But you real, really realize that all of that is not controlled by human hands. There's something else behind it. And I, I believe with all my heart that God is allowing a shaking to happen. He's allowing a breaking to happen. And the reason that He's doing that is because He wants the mass of people to come to him because they have to realize that without God there is no eternal blessing you might think well that's pretty selfish of God but I'm going to share this with you because God's not near as concerned about this life as he is the next one and what I mean by that is this life he knows is temporary Every single one of us knows that there'll be a day where we'll stop breathing. There'll be a day where we, that we stop moving, that our heart will stop beating, and then we go and do something else. Amen? Well, God knows that when, you, when that happens, it's you're, you're going on to something forever. And there's one of two options of places that you can go to forever. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And that's why there's so much attack against this idea of hell. There's a, you know, even this in, in today's society, it's not a real popular subject, is it? Even churches, even Christian churches don't want to talk about hell. They don't want to talk about these things. But it's that very thing that God is trying to call us out of. It's that very thing that God is trying to keep us in remembrance of. So when we look at other people, when we look at the world, we don't look at them just with, with casual eyes. We look at them realizing that they are going to go one day to one of two places. They are going to heaven or they are going to hell. And it is not changeable once they are there. Right. Amen. God wants us to choose heaven. He wants people to choose heaven, but people aren't going to know without the salt being salty. People aren't going to know the way without the light illuminating the way. <clears throat> you know, and one of the things is, is that there'll be the shaking in the world, but then there's also the opposition of the devil, the, the things the devil brings against us. I'm not saying everything that happens is God shaking the earth. Not everything that happens in your life is God teaching you something. But sometimes the things that happen in life are because the devil hates you and he just wants to, he's going to bring some destruction into your life for various reasons, whatever the reasons would be. It doesn't really matter what the reasons are if, that, if that's not the answer, right? right. <clears throat> it doesn't really matter what's going on. If that's not the answer. See, we're called to live by faith, whether it's, whether it's a God-ordained trial or whether it's a devil brought on trial or whether it's a self-inflicted trial. We're called to live by faith. We're called to, to, to break into that place of faith. And why are, we trying to, why are we called to do that? Because it's that place of faith that is the true salt to the earth. See, when the devil robs your faith, what he's really stealing from you is your salt. He's stealing your ability to reach others. 
he's still, when he gets you consumed with what's going on in your own life, what he's done is he's inhibited the plan of God from going forward because he's distracted you from the most important thing. See, if you're saved, the most important thing is not your life. If you're saved, the most important thing is getting other people saved. And this is why God will allow Christians to deal with a little bit sometimes. Because he's got them saved. If he's got you saved, he's got you in a good place. Now what he needs you to do is to go out and get others saved. He needs you to spread the wealth, so to speak. He needs you to go out and, and start winning the world. And see, this is exactly what happens so often in trial when we're see, feeling the things. And maybe, may, maybe I've completely missed it. Maybe the gas pump prices are just because the devil hates us. Or maybe the, the opposition and the school shootings and different things like that. Maybe that stuff is just because the devil hates us. And even if that's the case, what hope does the world have if all they're look at doing is looking around and getting the same answers they've always got? If they're not getting the salt, see the thing is, the point that I'm trying to make is whether we live or die, we're supposed to live or die in faith. We're supposed to be people that walk in faith. One of the things that I know the Lord is doing is he's trying to create churches that are full of faith. Churches that aren't weak, churches that aren't broke down just because something breaks, churches that are built up even though things are broken down, churches that trust God regardless, people that can go before other people in a joyless world and they can go out there and they can show them the joy of the Lord because it's those things that will call people back to him. It's those things that God is waiting for his people to wake up to. It's those things that God, you know, it, 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 it's, a, it's a difficult thing sometimes to press through, isn't it? It's a difficult thing to press in sometimes, isn't it? But I guarantee you it's going to be more difficult to stand before Jesus and say I didn't do it at all because I was distracted by me. It's going to be more hard to, or it's going to be harder to stand before the Lord to stand before the, uh, him on judgment day and look at the things that should have been accomplished and the things that weren't. Because although I believe that God does everything he can to get, every, uh, to, get to every single person, there is a truth that if we're called to do this and we don't, somebody's going to get missed. And that won't be on God's end, that's on our end. He's given us every ability to reach the world. The question is, are we going to walk in that? <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Turn with me to Haggai chapter 2. Now, this might seem like a, uh, a strange place to go <clears throat> for the, uh, you know, for a service like this, but we are, are going to see something here, I believe. I'm going to find it in my own Bible. It's a real short, it's just two, uh, two chapters long, two pages, not even two full pages. Amen. Haggai 2, we're going to start uh, chapter 1, and we'll read through verse 9. Now, this was the, the, the literally what's happening here is this is a prophecy uh, given by, uh, through Haggai, uh, prophet of the Lord. And this is talking about the building of the, temple, the second temple, amen, in Jerusalem. And it says here, on the, the 21st of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel. He was a king, right? The son of uh, Sheatiel, I don't know, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to uh, the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? But now take courage, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Take courage also, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And all you people of the land, take courage, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. As for the promise which I made you when, uh, made you, when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in your midst. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, in a little while, I am going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also, and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and they will come with the wealth of all the nations. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts, 
The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Now what you see here is, of course, you see this, this prophecy that doesn't really apply to us. But as we know about Scripture, there is always principle that we can take out of Scripture. And one of the things that we see here is we see the desire of God. You know, the Bible tells us that, uh, uh, you know, when Jesus went into the temple, he said, it has been said that my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. And he was speaking of the temple, of course, that Jesus was standing in. Uh, and, and, and the point is, is that here we see what God's purpose in having the temple was. It's the same thing as, as we have church today, and we're not using this as an example to just build the church or anything like that. But we have an understanding of what God does in the place where his people come together to worship, where they come together to seek God, to hear from him. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. And so there's an importance uh, God saw in, in, in placing uh, this, this, this temple. Now, if you go far enough back in the Old Testament, the temple was kind of on wheels, right? The temple traveled, it was tents, it was a tent that was uh, designed a certain way and they would travel, the Israelites would travel and when they got to a certain place they would set it up and they would be able to do their things. But it was representative and that was a place that housed the Ark of the Lord. And of course today we know that the temple, our bodies are the temple and stuff like that. But still we come together as a body and we're, the temple is only complete as the body comes together. But the, 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 the purpose of this is God uh, was trying to bring the idea that, uh, 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 of coming together for the purpose of the glory of God being manifested in them. Yeah. And this is exactly what he wants to do today. This is why he's called the church together today. The word to shake literally means to make afraid. You know, my pastor said this once, and I really, I, I believe the Lord uh, spoke it to him supernaturally, but it bears, uh, it bears witness with my, my heart, and I believe it bears witness with Scripture, and so that's why I'm sharing it with you. He said, some fruit won't come unless it's shaken off the tree. Yeah. And don't we see that? Don't you see some, you know, I, I have some trees in my backyard that, uh, that, you know, they all have leaves. Thank God. Praise the Lord. And, and in the, uh, when it comes to fall time and those leaves start dropping, you know, there's some trees, some of those trees don't drop all their leaves. I mean, they die, the, tree, the, the, the leaves wither, but they still hang on. And we have some pretty wicked winds up there on the hill, but still, still those leaves hang on. And sometimes you see the same thing with fruit. Sometimes fruit will get ripe and then rotten right on the tree because it just doesn't release. It doesn't fall off. You know, there's these big machines that they make to harvest, uh, they harvest different kinds of nuts. These machines are on some kind of tractor or something like that. And they go up to a, uh, like an almond tree and they'll clamp around the tree and they violently shake that tree. They don't uproot it, but they violently shake it, knocking all the, uh, the nuts off into a, a, a huge bin. And so we see this as a, 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 as a natural principle, but I believe it's in the word as well. We see this, this kind of idea, and I, see, I believe that that's what we're seeing right here. The idea that sometimes things have to be shaken. One of the things that I've learned in life is that some people, if you ever notice this, some people, they just won't come to Jesus. Some people, you give them opportunity and you present the best cases and you can even present them with all kinds of ideas, but they just won't come. This is how good our God is, is that he's not willing that any should perish. He doesn't just want to leave those ones on the tree to be consumed in hell. But his heart is, if they won't come willingly, I'm going to have to shake them off. Amen? Folks, we're in a world where we see the shaking happening. Now, whether it's God or the devil, it doesn't really matter. The fact, of the, world, the fact of the matter is the world's shaking. It doesn't change our directive. It doesn't change our placement. It doesn't change who we are to him. If a Christian cannot remember that all the trials they face in life does not change what we mean to him, then they're missing the very purpose that God has left them here for. We have to know when the world's shaken, God is still God. We have to know when the things come against us, God is still strong on our behalf. 
Well, we have to know that when there's no promise, when there's no hope left in the world, what, let me ask you this. Our hope was never meant to be in the world in the first place. Our hope is to be found in Him. Our hope is to be found in Christ alone. There is no other hope that exceeds what Jesus Christ is to, to the church, to us. And yet, why are we so moved when things don't go our way? Why are we so moved? And brothers, I'm just telling you, brothers and sisters, I'm telling you honestly, I'm not just yelling at you. I, I know how it is because I feel the same way. Yeah. I feel the press. We're all going to feel the press of the opposition. We're all going to feel the press of the shaken. There is nothing wrong with feeling it and even feeling like you don't like it. Right. God didn't tell us to love the shaking. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Praise the Lord. He didn't tell us to love the opposition. But he did tell us to stand. Stand is our only option. Stand is the only thing that we have. Stand is the only thing that we're called to do. Stand is what we're going to do. Because when the world is shaken, if the church is shaken too, guess what happens? The fruit falls to the ground and it rots. It doesn't produce anything. It doesn't grow. It doesn't get used for anything. Because it's just the same as all the rest. We need to be a hope. We need to be fertile soil. We need to be the place where when the fruit is shaken, we have an answer for them. But the church doesn't have the answer either. Don't be alarmed when your loved ones that won't come to the Lord are shaken. Don't be alarmed by it. Just know that God is doing everything in his ability and his power to bring them to him. Amen? When we're one-sided, even rightfully, there's always going to be somebody we can't win. We want to be the ones who can win anyone. And what I mean by this is, you know, I've seen so many Christians just embrace politics and get so full of politics and the things. I've done it myself. And what I've realized is that I can be right, even justified in, in the things that I believe. But uh, how many know that if I meet somebody who disagrees with me, the fact that I know more than them, the fact that I, uh, I, 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 I'm more right than they are, isn't going to be the thing that wins them over, is it? It's not going to be the thing that, that draws them to God, is it? See, what happens is, is so often in this life, we become people just like the world. We have our attitude problems. We have our issues. We have our issues with this and our issues with that. And, and, and I'm telling you, and depending on the company I'm in, I've, I've found myself and I find myself getting wrapped up in it. I'm not saying this to condemn you because I do it too and I don't want to be condemned. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you this to be aware of it. I'm telling you this because when you find yourself start going down that road, there'll be that thing on the inside of you that say, say, wait, wait, stop. It's not more important than Jesus. It's not more important than winning them. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that we just lay down and we accept everything that just comes our way. We have to use, uh, we have to use discernment. But we see this, you know, just coming off of a Memorial Day weekend where we have family get-togethers and stuff. Do anyone have any family get-togethers with extended families? And when you're around extended families, you always see things, don't you? You always, you, you always see things that can be annoyances. You see things that maybe you don't agree with. And, you know, there's the political talk and the temptation. But we need to be salt to the earth. And the salt isn't the salt for uh, the Republicans or the Democrats or anything else. The salt is for Jesus. Amen. Um, Another thing that we need to be mindful of is we need to be, uh, especially in considering uh, family, there's going to be a lot of family we're not going to win ourselves. And you know why we're not going to win them is because they're used to us. They see our failures. They see the, you know, the, 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 the things where we don't uh, quite uh, come up to par, you know what I mean, where we don't quite do good enough. But what we need to do is for those, for those families that we re- want to reach but we can't, we need to be those who others want to reach but can't. So in other words, we want to be the person out there that somebody else is praying for. We want to be the one that they'll listen to. Yeah. Yeah. But we can't do that when, we consi- when we're considering, you know, when we're just complaining about everything like the world is. When we're all, because really what it does, and this is really what complaint does, and I'm just going to make it real. When we complain about those things to the world, 
what we're doing is we're saying our God doesn't supply. We're saying, and we'll, actually what we're saying more, more than what that our God doesn't supply is we're saying we don't trust that our God, God will supply. If God came down to you right today, if he stood before you, if he came in here, knocked me on my butt, and then stood before you and said, every ounce of everything you will ever need for the rest of your life, you will always have enough for it. I will make absolutely sure of it. Everything that you'll ever do, I will make sure I am there for you. You will never have to worry about another thing again. Would you worry ever again? But he did that. The Bible tells us in Romans 8.32 that if he gave us Jesus, he'd give us all things. Uh, in Ephesians uh, 3.20, it tells us that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. It says he can, and it wouldn't just say that he can if he wasn't also willing. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so we understand these things about our God. We understand that he's the one who supplies. And sometimes, we, folks, we just need to be reminded of it. And sometimes you and I need to remind each other of it. Sometimes, you know, we're going to have those moments where, it, where, where the press is on. But what are we going to do? You know, my, my wife brought up something I've said to a few people before. Uh, recently, and it, it's been playing over and over in my heart. And that's uh, follow this thing through to the end, whatever it is you're doing. Whatever it is you're doing, when somebody is caught up in sin, I always say that to, or I like to say that to them, follow this thing through to the end. What is the outcome and see where it goes? What's the outcome of what happens? What's the outcome of giving into the pressure? What's the outcome of, uh, uh, of just giving up in general? What's the outcome of not serving God? What's the outcome of not standing? It's falling. And if we're told to do that, then that's what we must have to do. Now, if we feel like we can't and sometimes we need each other to support each other, there, there is that. And we should be ready and willing for each other. Even the brothers and sisters you don't get along with well, even the ones you don't like that much, even the ones that always, especially the ones that rob you the wrong, rub you the wrong way. Those are the ones that, are, 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 that God has put in your life to, to, to hone you and make you just better, more smooth-edged. Amen? I think about sandpaper all the time when I think about people that are rough around the edges. Glory to God. That, you know, sandpaper, as rough as it is, it, it, it makes things smooth. Amen? Praise the Lord. So be determined in your heart to, to, to uh, be the person who will reach others that others can't. Amen? Praise God. Turn me to Romans 10. And this is also why we, ha we should have the heart to, um, this is why we also need to have the heart to uh, uh, connect to whatever God is doing, where he has us connected. Amen? Find out what we can do and then do it. Find out what we're called to do and then do it. What are we supposed to do? What, what supply are we supposed to bring? Amen. Romans 10, verse 13 through 15. Of course, we know these scriptures, so we're not going to spend a ton of time on them. It says, For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever will, will be saved. Amen. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good, uh, good news of good things. Notice what the preacher brings. The one who's preaching brings good news of good things. They, they, they're not joining the world with, uh, with, with how... Uh, horrible it is because in, in, in reality the one who knows their God their world there is no such thing as bad there is no such thing as lack there is no such thing as go without because you know even if you are in the moment it has to come back around by ver the very virtue of God who God is yeah. because he's declared it 
So why do we struggle? Why? Because we, we struggle because we lose sight of that. We forget about that. And we forget about that in the distractions. We forget about that in the times where it's hard because we're not looking to the one that God has always told us to look to. He told us to look to him. He said to fix our eyes on heaven, to keep looking up, to keep our eyes forward on him. And when we don't do that, we get distracted and then we lose it. And then we stop bringing the good news. The Bible tells us it's a goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Praise the Lord. It's not the, the troubles of the world. It's the goodness of God in the midst of the trials of the earth. It's the things that they can't do. Amen? And you, the thing is, you may try a thousand times with somebody, but a thousand and one will win them. And what's it matter to you? We're here to do something. We're left here to, to be part of something. You know, I'm, I'm tired of Christianity that doesn't do anything. Christianity that just sits around and has their little get-togethers and, and never, and I'm not saying that this is what our church is, believe me. Um, but if I don't preach about these things, our church could become that. Yeah. It would be real easy to become just another denomination, wouldn't it? It would be real easy to be just like the one up the street or the one down the road or the one around the corner or the next town over. It'd be real easy to just be like all the ones that are closed down. Today I drove by a beautiful old church building. There was uh, some, some products sitting in front of it for sale and the windows were all boarded up. And It was bought by the garage next door to it or was used by the garage next door to it as a place to display their vehicles that were for sale. But here this church, which was built by hands to honor and praise the Lord and to reach people, is not existent anymore. And why do these things happen? I drove through a town today and I was like, a town which has been on my heart for a long, long time. And what I noticed is it's another town just like Corey. Church after church after church after church. Some of them closed up, some of them partially closed, some of them open and going, but a whole town, that it's very evident there's people that are lost. Where's the good news of good things? Where's the preaching of the good news of good things? Where's the, and I'm not saying that no church is doing anything. I'm not saying that at all. But I, I, lest we become one of those, lest we get to the place where we just, you know, we do our Sunday thing or our Tuesday thing. We come and we have our services and we, we have our get-togethers and we have our summer picnics and our summer baptism. <clears throat> it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough that we just get, that we just, you know, that we, 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 we got to the certain place we got and then we're just going to continue doing that. We got our seats, amen? It's not enough. <clears throat> Turn with me to Proverbs. Praise God. <clears throat> Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4 and verse 20. <clears throat> Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. What are you living on? Jesus said, my food is to do the will of the Father. Yes. We're called to learn from him, be his disciples. What does it mean to be his disciples? To make our lives such that our food is to do the will of the Father. Now, yes, you have to eat once in a while. But do you know that so often the things that, 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 uh, the things that we're searching after, God has promised them just by following him. Yeah. Amen? Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. You know, this is the thing. This is exactly what I was talking about earlier, getting caught up in the, the realm of, of, of opinions and politics and all these things, whatever it is. It's not just politics. It's just whatever, the, you know, a certain mindset. That's what this is right here. It's people who haven't watched their heart. They give in to these things. They, you know, I, I actually, I used to listen to a certain news agency primarily. And I had the app on my phone and I would pull it up. <clears throat> 
But you know, after, after some things that had happened in the, uh, in the last presidential election and how absolutely horrific I saw uh, the, this, this new news agency be and what was it doing? It was just falling in line with the world. It was doing things to please people. And I was just tired of it. I was tired of the propaganda. And I said, you know what? All this news is garbage anyways. And so I put it away. Every once in a while, I check in just to see what's going on. But, you know, I, I, ref, I still refuse to download their app. I won't give them that, that satisfaction. Not that it even matters to them, but I, I don't even care. But it's just garbage with the rest of it. Why? Because it, this, it, it was one that was supposed to be fairly good, but they, you know, and with Christians on it and everything, but they just got into the same, the same garbage that everyone else was in. Amen. Uh, watch over your heart with all diligence, for out from it flow the springs of life. Folks, our hearts should be the things that we're guarding, that we're protecting, we're feeding with the word. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Anything that could lead people astray. Listen, if it's not the truth of the Lord, if what you're talking about violates the truth of the Lord, for a Christian to be talking about continually how bad things are yeah. is a devious mouth. It's, it, it's speaking against God. Do you realize that? That's what it is. The Bible warns us about complaining, but that's what it is. When we enter into it, that doesn't mean, like, don't, don't get me wrong, if you mention something bad that's going on, that's not you speaking against God. But when you're consumed with how bad and evil the world is and how things are, you're, you're, you are, in essence, not in essence, you are, in actuality, speaking against God. Yeah. When you're saying it never works out. You know, we, we notice this with, 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 with uh, we, we know this is with people that we know that aren't Christians or, aren't, or, 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 or Christians aren't serving God, they always talk about how bad things are in their life. And you know what the funny thing is, is we can look in their life and see how blessed it is. Yeah. But they're all convinced that it's bad. They're always convinced it's bad. Why is that? It's devious, it's, it's deceptive. It's because they don't know God. They, won't, they can't even recognize They will all stand before the Lord and they'll answer for the things. He'll be like, I blessed you here and I blessed you here. What do you mean I wasn't good to you? What do you mean I didn't take care of you? You know, just because you were a poor steward of it. And this is why it's good for Christians to be good stewards of it. But we're not going to preach about that tonight. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. This is a promise as much as any other promise in Scripture. If you take heed to your heart and the path that you walk, everything you do will be firm-footed and established. What does established mean? It means it will not fail. Everything you walk out, it will not fail. If you do this, if you watch the path of your feet. This is a promise to all believers. A believer who falls into uh, uh, constant or only destruction, it's because they're not following the scripture. Amen? I said it's a promise. It's an automatic. That doesn't mean there won't be opposition, but it means you'll always get through it. You always get over it. And if you know you're always going to get over it, you're always going to get through it, then what does it mean to you if it's in front of you? What, what does it mean to you? My dog, listen, my dog growl, my, if my dog were to growl, she wouldn't because she knows better. She's just a little, a little thing. But if she were to get real vicious or real mean, it doesn't even concern me. For me. For my own life. It's not even a concern. Why? Because she can't do anything to me. She can't kill me. <laughs> she can't to the place. She can't even jump on my chair anymore. What's she going to do to me? At the very least, I jump on the chair. You know what I mean? It's a, it, it, there's nothing she can do to me that, 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 that can, that, that can that I'm not afraid of her. Right. So why, why, what place would a Christian ever have to be fearful of life? Yeah. What place would a Christian have to ever be fearful of the things that are coming against them in life? Now listen, COVID, you, know, you, know, you have things like COVID. You think it's the last pandemic. There'll be things like that. It doesn't matter. Maybe there'll be one next year. Who knows and who cares? Right. I mean, things happen. You know, uh, uh, you, you know, people talking about, you know, uh, the government poisoning and stuff like that. Yeah, they, they might do it again, but you know what? It's not going to affect me. And if it does, it sends me to heaven. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? 
I'm not worried about it. I don't make decisions based on what's going on. I make decisions based on what's in my heart. And that's what Christians are called to do. We're not supposed to be afraid. If we're living in fear, we're saying God won't take care of us. We're saying God isn't strong enough in our lives. And do you know what we're telling the world? This God that we, that we say we believe in when the stuff really hits the fan, well, then we don't really. There's nobody who can wrong you that God can't bless you. There's nobody who can take away from you what God can put into you. There's no one who can stop you when God gives you the green light. There's no one, there's nothing that can come against you if you are truly God's. Not God's, like you are God's, but you belong to God. Amen? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Praise the Lord. Our direction is real simple. It's keep walking. Watch where we're walking, but keep walking. Keep our eyes on him. Keep our heart towards him. Amen? Thinking of the, 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 the Veggie Tale song is keep walking. <laughs> Love that. Love the veggie. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're missing half your life. Amen? Keep walking. You silly little pickles. You silly little peas. You think that walking around this wall will bring this city to its knees? Praise the Lord. <laughs> it did. I keep walking. We're going to close the Hebrews 10. <clears throat> I watched that so many I love that. See, that's an example of somebody who does something that's Christian, that's not hokey and weird and goofy. It was actually, there was talent there. It was awesome. Love it. But my righteous one, or we could say ones, shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. This is, this is, like, this is out of God's mouth here. My righteous one shall live by faith. Who's righteous? Amen? Praise the Lord. We're the righteous. And if the righteous one shrinks back, God's soul has no pleasure in him. You know, I've, I, I mentioned this on Sunday that soul, typically as it's used in scriptures, meaning mind, will, and emotions, in essence, who we are. You think about your mind. And uh, we think about Jeremiah 29, 11, where it says, I know the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Some versions say thoughts and plans. Plans come from God's mind. His thoughts come, definitely come from his mind. But look at this. A person who won't live in faith, his, his mind, God has no pleasure in them. Think about that. I know the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. My thoughts have no pleasure in you. Amen. <clears throat> but we are not those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Follow it through the end. Shrinking back, leaving the path of faith, going back to e uh, Egypt, whatever, however you want to say it, it's shrinking back to destruction. There's nothing that lies behind us but destruction. There's nothing that lies in the past but ruin. God has given us a path forward. He's given a path to heaven. He's given us a path that is, that, is un, uh, that, that is undeniable, a path that is sure, a path that is, is, is established. And if we will follow it and walk it out, God is guaranteed that we'll, 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 we'll complete it, that we'll follow it right to the end. It doesn't mean we'll be without opposition, but the opposition can't stop us. Because even if, even if we were taken out, even if the worst happened, we go on to be with the Lord, and it's so much better than, than, than what we have to face here. Amen? Praise the Lord. So, brothers and sisters, I'm encouraging you to be a disciple. As you leave here today, being a disciple of God means you walk the way that he walks. You follow after Jesus. You do the things that he, he said to do. You follow after him. Amen? Walk in faith. Don't be moved by the things that are happening. Instead, rejoice. Take time to thank the Lord for the supply that he's already given you. Thank the Lord for the supply that's still coming. 
Thank the Lord because you know that it's coming. See, that's where you're going to find your peace. You're not going to find your peace in your answer. You're not going to find your peace when you finally get money. Right, right. <clears throat> Things started looking really good a couple years ago, didn't they? Yeah. All of a sudden, it was like we were starting to feel in my own house, I'll feel like breakthrough, breakout. <laughs> you know, I, I want to share this real quick. You know, I often said, you know, this Lord, you know the, the vehicle that I have now, you know, the Lord uh, supernaturally brought us into it. And it was over the course of several years. Now it provides everything that I need and it provides some things that I want to. And I actually have to repent because there's a few things that I was annoyed about, about it. I missed my truck and I missed my Jeep I had before. Amen? But you know, one of the things that the Lord uh, keeps bringing up to me, and I, I failed to notice it, when he moved us into it, he actually moved us into it. It was a newer vehicle, under warranty, and it was uh, had an extreme, uh, a lot less miles on it than my other vehicles did, right? And it was worth, it was valued more. You used both vehicles to trade in, but it was valued more. It got a really awesome deal on the trade-in and uh, that, that, that was un, unheard of, un, unreal trade-in on those. And of course, the Lord directed us to do it. But you know, just today as I was driving, this, this thing that the Lord has tried to get me uh, to look at before and I just had failed to do it. And I finally pulled over to the side of the road and I did it. This is one of my, my, my note-taking sessions. Just by driving this vehicle in this time period, now that, that vehicle came to us last year. He certainly knew what gas prices were going to do. But just by driving that vehicle, the difference that this vehicle gets in gas mileage than the other two vehicles got, just, just a few, it's a few miles a gallon, saves, and the amount of, that I drive in a year, it saves $1,000 just right there in a year. They say, well, is that, is that much? Well, it's about, what, 80 bucks a month, somewhere around there? Yeah, praise the Lord. And so you see like that, but, and it saved in other ways too. It saved financially in other ways as well. But the point that I'm trying to make is, God, when you follow God, it will always, he will always make you an effective person. Now I probably start getting into my, my Sunday sermon, but God wants us to be effective. He wants us, but he, he wants us to trust him. Right. See, sometimes the things he'll have us do don't make much sense. Yeah. But if we know it's him, praise the Lord, he will come through for us. And even if we step out in faith, believing it was God and we miss it a little bit, but we repent for it, he'll make up for it. Yeah. Amen. You serve a good God, people. Don't be afraid of what's coming. Don't be afraid of what's before you. Trust in God. Be true disciples of Jesus.